Welcome to Mandu Car, the casual engineering podcast for the casual engineer. You are joining us for episode three on the 9th of January 2021, week one of the third lockdown in the COVID-19 pandemic. How are you feeling, Alex? Did I sleep through episode two then? Episode two was uh, one from the vault, me and, uh, me and Ian from way back in 2014. Oh, right. I haven't actually heard that. Oh, it's nice of you to involve me, you dick. Um, <laughs> You're very welcome. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, just um, not leaving my house. Cool. Um, just off the top, we had two new listens yesterday. Two new listens. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks very much, random people listening to us. Uh, I definitely appreciate that. Um, so, uh, subject one, we'll uh, we'll cover the boat, Alex. You you you're going to have had a bunch of Christmas holidays, so I assume you've got loads done. Yeah, I got loads done. Yeah. Um, so I. I'm obviously not a professional spray person. Um, I don't. I'm not a professional spray like gun painter. Painter. That's what they're called. Um, yeah. So I am learning as I go along, which is all good. Um, I've learned that my dodgy old compressor uh, doesn't give me a lot of um, pressure, which sucks. But such is life. Uh, but yeah. So the boat has been um, since the last episode. It's been turned over. Um, it was upside down for a couple of weeks. Um, it had a bunch of bunch of filler applied, um, and that was all sanded back to get it nice and fair. And then uh, I applied some primer that was too thick, and I didn't use enough uh, pressure, and I didn't really know why. Um, so that didn't go on particularly well, but um, I got a good coat of primer on the whole boat. That was then sanded back with uh, 600 grit sandpaper, and then... Um, I put some colour on with considerably more success. Um, so now I've got a boat which is on the bottom, a bit more green than I'd intended. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that it's going to look a bit more blue when it gets outside. Um, but yeah, and then now it's it's um, it's back the right way up. Um, I've done a few little um, filler touch-ups and it's sanded and ready to go. So after we do this, I'm going to go put some primer on it. Which uh, which dinghies? This is the OK. This is the OK. Right? Yeah, the um, the the Firefly is sat on the drive, um, and it is needs to go somewhere warm very soon because it's getting a bit frosty. Um, but yes, this is the OK. And then I've also got um, so all of my almost all of my fittings have arrived. I've actually um, got a few more to order, but I've got some tasty new toe straps coming, um, which are actually it's a very interesting system. It's from they're from um, Zyke who anyone who's into sailing will have heard of. Um, and they are specifically engineered to be compatible with my Zyke um, sailing boots. So my Zyke sailing boots have some um, uh, specific sort of diamond-shaped grip on the top. And then mm. um, my toe straps have the same or a compatible type grip on the bottom, um, which is supposed to lock you into the boat a bit better. So we'll see. Like a Velcro. Um, not really. It's it's like rubber. Um, okay. But there, it's it's supposed to um, when when moving side to side, um, it's supposed to to increase your grip. Um, yes. Sponsorship would be fine. Uh, I would love to get sponsored by Zyke. I highly doubt they're going to do that. But um, yeah, if if you're listening, which you're not, um, yeah. So so it's coming on. Um, once I get some. Get some primer on today. Give it a couple of days for to go nice and hard, um, and then we give that a sand back with six hundred, and then color on the deck. Then a couple of days after that, I'll turn it back the wrong way up and um, start get into it with a eight hundred, then thousand, then twelve hundred grit sandpaper, and then polish. How are you finding doing paintwork in the cold? Because uh, I've been doing some vinyling and gluing and filling and sanding and trying to get stuff to kick off in the cold is, is a pain. Mate, it's not an issue. I've, uh, I'm in the annex, aren't I? So I'm in the annex and my work area is I've got really thick plastic that goes from battens that I've screwed into the ceiling and it goes down and basically almost underneath my boat. And then I've got a small little window which I climb through to get in. And so that stops the spray going everywhere. And then I've got a heater running in there and it takes about five minutes and I'm sweating. 
um, so it's all really really nice and and warm. Um, you live in the dream. Well, I, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be trying to do this if it was cold because it would just be a bit pointless. Yeah, my garage is is pretty chilly. I although I, I've kind of reaped the benefit because all of the Christmas pies and chocolates that I've eaten have all just burnt straight off by working in the really cold yeah, weather. Yeah, just just sweating balls as they say. Um, what, when does the sailing season start? Um, whenever lockdown ends, I think. To be honest, hey, um, so it's COVID specific. COVID specific, yeah. Um, so I'll I'll probably have my boat space at uh, so i've joined hailing island sailing club um which is a good club in itself um but has a really strong um okay fleet um which is good because we all know if you're doing sports you have to train with the best people to get better um so i'll hopefully be training with them um this year but obviously that's that's dependent on the club facilities being open and and at the moment it's just closed locked up shut um so so yeah it's when whenever really i mean i've put my sailing calendar together but we've yeah, it's all got a big question mark over it so we'll see what happens um but yeah i've got i've got probably i don't know there's probably another three or four weeks of work to do on the boat at this pace um and which is fine because that gives me another paycheck to get all the last bits and bobs um sure. and then and then off we go so hopefully by the start of march we'll be back on the water hopefully um, but obviously, it's all—you know—it's not the most important thing right now, so I'm not going to get my knickers in a twist. Yeah, yeah. At least you've got time to work on it. Yeah, loads of time. Yeah, and yeah. I've got um, a warm place to do it. I was—I think we—we we may have discussed in the last episode um, that I was thinking about having the boom re-anodized because it's a bit beaten up. Um, yeah. Having got the quote for that, um, I've changed <laughs> my mind. Um, but how many how many pounds worth of changing your uh, mind? It was a uh, hundred and seventy five pounds worth of changing my mind, um, because I, um, it, it's more of a cosmetic thing than anybody else than anything else. So um, for a very good price, um, I got some satin black two pack paint. Um, so I'm going to repaint the boom in black because um, I think it will it will look very nice, um, and then I'm going to spend that remaining money on some nice um, nice grip for the boat. Um, my good friend uh, Rob Henderson, shout out to Hendo, um, sent me a sample of something called a Harkin Marine Grip, which is a very lightweight, very grippy um, material meant for meant for decks on uh, dinghies and yachts. Um, I've got some of that; it's cracking stuff. So um, it is rather pricey, but it looks really good and it does the job really well, and it doesn't add much weight. So um, I'm going to sort of re-budget myself on that. Um, so I think. Yeah, it's really good. It comes in, uh, he- like, it, they do it in strips, but it also comes in these sort of cool six inch by six inch hexagonal uh, pads, I guess you call them. Um, yeah. So you can get uh, really some really sort of funky, really good looking effects and also have a really efficient, really lightweight grip. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind you back there. <laughs> so I know nothing about paint. And you'll very quickly learn this. So, two pack paint, mm-hmm. single pack paint. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Practically. Okay, so so single pack paint is what your is is anything that dries in air, basically. So, so it's got some. Um, so spray cans. Spray cans, stuff that you paint a room with. You know, Dulux is is all one one pack paint or one K paint, as they call it, because that's for some reason. Uh, in in the painting world, one K is it's like German, you know, component in German starts with a K. So for some reason they use that. Um, I suppose it sounds better than one C, maybe. No idea. Anyway, um, so so that's one pack, and then two pack is a um, is a paint which requires um, a, a catalyst to go solid. So it actually forms a. Um, I think it's. So the paint that I'm using is acrylic, so it's it's a plastic, I guess. Um, but it forms a, a really solid, really hard um, plastic surface. So you're essentially painting with liquid plastic, and then it goes then yeah. it goes hard. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, and so and so with a, a a really hard surface, you can get a better shine on it, and it's more resilient, um, and it, it's it's less chemically. Um, sort of open to reacting with its environment so it's it's more hard wearing 
uh, you get a better shine on it, better polish. Um, unfortunately, the down the downside of that is that um, you have to have have specialist equipment, so you can um, roll what what people refer to as rolling and tipping. Um, so you can you can apply two pack paint with a roller, um, and then you use a, a very fine paintbrush and you run it over the top, and that pops all the bubbles, um, yeah. which can give you a good finish, but it's not very efficient on your paint. Um, sure. It uses a lot of paint because you've you've got to saturate a roller before you even apply it to a surface. So, so oh sure, yeah. So you've got waste yeah, from that. Yeah, point. so so the waste is quite high, and and two pack paint is um is not cheap. Um, it's not like sort of backbreakingly expensive, but it's not cheap. So I'm just going to close my window because every every man and his dog is mowing his lawn today. Fantastic. It's not really, not really lawn mowing weather, is it? It's about two degrees here. The problem is it's the first weekend of the third lockdown oh, yeah. and people are bored. So list of things to do. Um, I've never got gardening. That's something we we don't cover on this podcast. Gardening? <laughs> I've never understood it. Gardener's, Gardener's question time is, is, well, when I was commuting for hours and hours, that was one of my favourite shows to listen to on the radio. I do miss... Do miss radio for I I don't do any long drives or anything. Yeah, you know, in my early twenties, I, I would drive back to our kind of our our home where we grew up all the time. So there would always be uh, three or four hours on the train or driving down the motorway. Good old A thirty four weeks. Yeah, and I, I catch up on Radio Four. Radio Four. This is not. <laughs> we are not Radio Four. Yeah, cool. So it sounds like the boat's going well, and it sounds like you're you've learned a lot about. Painting. I've learned. I've learned a lot about painting. I've learned a lot about compressors as well. Because my my compressor, I sort of I thought um, I was only getting forty psi out of it, and it was struggling to keep up. Which makes um, it takes it's spray painting with with a gun is actually really relaxing. It's really fun. Um, as I'm sure anyone who's done any painting knows, like you 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 take something which is one color, and then you you take a spray gun and sort of whiz it around, and it's a completely different color. It's great fun. Um, unfortunately, when your uh, compressor is struggling to keep up with um, the amount of air that you're asking it to provide you with, it becomes quite tedious because you have to sit and wait for five minutes with this big clanging thing going on. So um, I, uh, in in sort of um, a fit of bravado, took my um, compressor apart, found out all of the gaskets were um, pretty dead and the whole thing was covered in schmutz. Um, so I obviously repaired it and put it back together and um, it was only making 20 psi then so I, I repaired it and made it worse um, and then so I had to buy some proper gasket material and do it properly um, and now it make, gives me about 60-65 psi so it's still not perfect but it'll do the job for what I need now um, yeah. and I think the the, the so so. F- the compressor works by running an electric motor that then operates a piston and basically just compresses air like that. It's like a, it's like a co- uh, internal combustion engine. But um, yeah, so so the problem I'm running into with my compressor, I think, is that the electric motor is almost as old as me. So it's um, it's not putting out as many horses as it was from the factory. Um, and I, I'm not going to sit and rebuild an electric motor now. I, I want to finish my boat and go sailing. If we're in lockdown for um, another bajillion years, I, I will probably learn how to rebuild an electric motor. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a brush DC motor, so you can probably get well. You probably not even bother getting replacement brushes. Just pull it apart, replace the springs that push the brushes out uh, to the commutator. I think that's the correct term, and uh, clean up the sa- uh, the surfaces, and that'll be about it. It'll be fine. Yeah. So um, that might be a project. It might not. Um, it is. As I say, a very old motor. So if it depends on the cost and whether I'm particularly interested, I mean, it sounds like a bit of fun, but that will be when I've got a boat that's completely finished and also has a new rudder that I need to make. Um, once I finish that project, if I'm then really bored, I might rebuild my compressor. Sure. And Compressors Podcast is the other podcast that we run Obviously. Uh, on the same channel. So uh, tune in for Compressors Weekly, uh, where we go into the in-depth, uh, latest cutting-edge technology on compressors. Yeah, and um, actually, you if you see, um, if you're on the website Mandy Compressor, um, you can see my <laughs> review of the latest um, 
ZM58 Air Lynx Max. Um, it's, wouldn't, uh, that, wouldn't that be fantastic? It's a <laughs> mad decompressor. <laughs> mad decompressor. Turns out we're actually just huge compressor nerds. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Sidebar, low cost. I thought I'd update you on that. Side, low sidebar, cost. low cost. Are you going to run it's... it on compressed air? <laughs> no, I'm not going to run it on compressed air. Could you do that? Um, you could do that, couldn't you? You could run a car on compressed well, air. I will. I, yeah, and they do. They do in um, Australia. There's a guy that created a a rotary compressed air motor for running forklifts, and um, that's quite cool. How? How? What, what? What's the range on a compressed air forklift, though? <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> we, we we did a, a university project on using compressed air as a. Uh, as a resource, you know, uh, for as a fuel, and yeah, it's not very efficient the, at all. The energy density must be so it's terrible. low. <laughs> it's terrible, uh, and it's quite heavy as well. Compressed air once once you start, you know, well, you have to get it up to like three thousand psi, and to do that, you know, again on on, compre- on com- compressors weekly, um, we'll have a field day, but you require multiple compressor heads. To be able to do that, because oh uh, yeah, so multi-stage, yeah, you're essentially limited by your pressure delta across the compressing element because yeah, it, it's the limitation of the valves themselves. So yeah, yeah, you, they can only take up to a certain amount of, of of pressure delta. So you have to run multiple compressing heads uh, to get up something like three thousand psi. Just quality podcast listening, but that, that's how they work. It's just, uh, but it's yeah, just he, the concept of a compressed air. Car just just crap. It just sounds terrible. <laughs> it's almost like a wind up car. But, yeah, uh, it is. It is. It's a puff up car. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do. Um. Well, we can chat alternative energy technologies right now if you'd like, Alex. Um, can we not use as... compressed air though? That's it. Doesn't. There's not like natural sources of compressed air, are there? Are there? <laughs> <laughs> you could use compressed gas. But it'd be a waste of, <laughs> waste of compressed gas. Sounds terrible. We should just burn just, it. Just throw it out into the air. Um, but yeah, my, uh, my partner and I, Becky and I, uh, last Monday picked up our first electric car. So 21st century. I know it's insane, and it's it's actually something I've wanted to to do for a really long period of time, and I'm I'm glad kind of the stars aligned, and we could afford one. Uh, it, it yeah, we're I'm in no way rich, uh, but we managed to sort of gather our money together and, and get a good deal on one. So we got a 2016 Nissan Leaf, which uh, the 30 kilowatt hour version, so the bigger battery. And so far, I'm really happy with it. I love, I love it. I can't believe I love it. I mean, you you did you just describe it to me as sitting on an electric drill, which like sounds like <laughs> something um, that you might have to type into a search bar on a website. <laughs> it, it's... It's in the same way, you know, like you plug in a power tool, you turn the power on a little wall, and it's not doing anything, but like the potential is there. That's the weird thing with, a, with an electric car. It's like you you sit in it, you turn it on, there's no noise or anything, it's in drive, nothing's happening, and then you just press your foot down and, and wham, you're off. It's a very weird feeling. It's not uh, to 60 strange. in. Um... Oh, not to sixty in. Oh, hang on. I'll ping. I'll pull up the simulation that I did. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> because a data sheet isn't good enough. Basically, on my website on OglebyRacing.com, which of course is where you've gone to to find this episode or whichever streaming service you'd like to use, uh, on OglebyRacing.com, I've done a series of uh, drag race simulations over Christmas because that's what I do in my spare time, and I used that same piece of code to do the straight line speed for the Nissan Leaf, because I was just interested. Because people always say, oh, you know, oh, okay, yeah, electric car. Yeah, they don't have a lot of horsepower, but they've got loads of torque. And having done the drag race simulation stuff, I've realised that that literally means nothing. Like, horsepower infers torque at speed. Mm. Speed is what people are trying to get when you drive a car. So having lots of torque but not have it at speed is, like... It's not. It's not really a great measure. I actually think horsepower actually is a good measure um, of a car's performance and its weight. Speaking of but, which, uh, did you watch that video I sent you the other day of um, the two thousand horsepower electric Lotus? Yeah, it was gorgeous. Absolutely so cool. Gorgeous. So cool. But five hundred horsepower not, at each wheel. 
Uh, yes. Yeah, it's a lot more than my little leaf. But uh, 0 to 60, I think, is about 8.5 seconds, basically. Uh, which, it doesn't sound that fast, but most cars... Uh, most cars are within yeah sort of the ten second range, so it's it's pretty good. But the big thing is the naught to like forty miles an hour is four point five six seconds. So that's that's pretty damn quick because it does with the electric motor you have this flat torque section all the way up to the point it's power limited, mm. and it just delivers that torque just linearly bosh straight away. And so you get uh, a bit over point four g of acceleration all the way up to strap in and I feel the g's yeah i calculate about 30 miles an hour so uh and when you're driving around town that's awesome like that's that's really cool um so yeah we've gone we've gone electric we've gone electric on and that, that car has uh, anything between 80 and 120 miles range depending on how hot it is outside basically what the outside temperature is is that is it front wheel drive front wheel drive yeah so if i stand on the bumper do you think it could do a skid <laughs> yeah probably yeah right let's end yeah, this lockdown then... right now i'm coming to your house <laughs> i think i think the traction control system would probably stop you from doing that can though. you turn off the traction control no idea no idea i've had the car for less literally less than a week but it's, it's is this, why cool, is this though. not the first thing you're doing <laughs> because this is this is my partner's commuter car <laughs> i uh, i've just enjoyed having two pedals you know a breaker and a, and a throttle and it's it's just a I never thought fuel efficiency would be something I'd be so interested in, but it, it is. It's good fun, and it's nice to drive something that's on, on the edge of the future. Um, but the, the 2,000 horsepower Lotus, yeah, I'm sure would probably be a bit, bit more fun. I think you can drive the Leaf and then extrapolate that and go, oh, okay, yeah, I get why big power electric cars are yeah really fun yeah well i mean uh what did i see the other day it was a, a drag race between some sort of crazy i mean this is obviously what i do when i'm um definitely not what i do when i'm working um it it was some kind of crazy drag race between a um uh a, a current model tesla well i think it might have been like a 2019 2018 tesla that, that one of the crew had taken to this this um porsche it might have been a porsche it might have been a ferrari or something anyway and they basically turned the um, turned the wick up on the uh, on the Tesla, and then did a drag race with this Porsche. And yep. it, I mean, it drained like twenty percent of the battery life of the Tesla in about eight seconds. But it was absolutely amazing, <laughs> fully. Yeah. The, so it was probably a Tesla Model Three, which is the it's the kind of like I say reasonably priced in in, in quote marks uh, Tesla. And it's kind of the more popular, more accessible one that they've got out at the moment. And people are racing these. Like, I just watched a TV program on Motor Trend uh, about this year's Pikes Peak. Mm. And the, the Tesla Model 3s off the showroom floor with good tyres on them, like, are not slow cars. They're very quick. And if you have a look, I've just brought them up on Wikipedia. Yeah. So they've got uh, 54, 62, or 75 kilowatt hour batteries. So my Leaf's got the 30 kilowatt hour batteries. So, so just to clarify, am I the only yeah. person who, whenever I drive past somebody's house and they've got a Tesla outside, thinks to themselves, yeah. "Someone's doing well." <laughs> Someone's doing well. Tesla yeah, outside. Very, <laughs> very expensive cars, and they're yeah. I've got a few issues with Tesla, but we'll. We'll see. I just want to see how much power they put down. It doesn't. Yeah, say. sorry, that's completely off topic. Well, um, what? <laughs> they they're a bit of a status symbol at the moment, aren't they? That's that. Yeah, that it's it's like um, across. it's like I don't, I don't know though because because I want to say that they're so they're sort of a virtue signalling symbol, but at the same time you have to be like filthy rich to have one. So yeah. is that virtue signalling or is it a status symbol or have they become one? Yeah, but I feel hashtag like social social commentary. <laughs> like that sounds ridiculous, but like even when I'm in the leaf and you're driving along, you're like, look how much I care about the environment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that simple. And let's let's face it, you're not driving along your Nissan Leaf with with passers by going, oh my god, that must add three inches. It's not. It's, <laughs> come on. No. Uh, so the standard range version of the Tesla Model Three does not sixty in five point six seconds. Um, which you know actually it points out that the leaf, which my leaf was under um, ten thousand pounds, yeah, a, a Model S is 
probably like six times that. You know, the Leafs not doing too bad. And the top of the line Model 3 performance, which is what they'll be driving at uh, Pikes Peak, is 3.2 seconds, not 60, which is incredible. That's, that is a lot of... That's, that's a lot of... Uh... V equals U plus AT, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's, a lot of A's. For, it's called the Performance LR AWD, which is the all wheel drive version. Yeah, all wheel drive electric is for myself, I think that's the future of performance cars. Absolutely. And as, you, as you said, 500 horsepower wheel is insane. No. <laughs> and you can do, you know, with an electric motor on each wheel, a lightweight electric motor, you can do closed loop traction control on each wheel so you can make full use of the uh of the longitudinal grip capability of those uh, wheels in every case and then you can also do torque vectoring at low speed so you can really help a car go around a corner um is impressive. is that have we have we I, I i i know absolutely nothing about current electric car technology apart from all the lithium um so is 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 that when it when it says like a mo- a 500 horsepower each wheel that's obviously an electric motor at each wheel but is that is that like a hub centric motor or is that are we not there yet i don't oh, it, de- it depends yeah there are loads of different ones so the i think the teslas usually use a motor which is a front axle and a rear axle with drive shafts in a more sort of classical mm. sense where you've got a motor and a sit because they use different size motors because you know, you can use a lot more torque at the rear axle than you can at the front yeah. because you get all the rearward weight transfer So, as you accelerate forward. So you can use a smaller motor at the front. The Lotus, I imagine, is probably using hub motors, yes, yeah, so hub-centric, with some kind of epicyclic gearbox, okay, uh, yeah. which, which gears it down single speed. Um, but I've seen a few, and these are really cool, where you drive the wheel directly. So the wheel is used as a gear, to and the motor directly drives to that. Uh, you know the architecture is going to change as time goes on. To, to it's still optimizing. You know you're still using kind of gasoline powered car technology in electric car context. It's it's a, as as we talked about last time. It's incremental development, isn't it? Yeah, but the, so the big issue with electric cars at the at the moment, and it's something I've already sort of stumbled upon with this simulation that I did, uh, which was really interesting. If you want to learn more about drag racing, go to OglebyRacing.com and read my articles about drag racing and simulation. They're heavy, right? So f- for range, you have to add a considerable amount of weight. Yeah. So my Nissan, my Nissan Leaf is uh, 1,500 kilos, right? My Honda Accord diesel estate turbo is 1,600 kilos, right? Wow. So the, the Nissan Leaf, like, it, when you drive it, it has the same kind of torque characteristics as the turbo diesel estate. So it feels like a turbo diesel estate, but it's a hatchback. Actually, I think the curb weight of my V50 is something like 1,300 kilos. And like, mm. I would, you know, it's not as big. It's about the same weight as my um, my old Volvo 240, which is... Yeah, it's a little shorter than the Honda, right? Yeah, it's shorter, but I still say, you know, it's not as big a car as, as the 240. It's not as big a car as yours, but I would still say it's like, it's a it's a chunk of vehicle, you know? And it's lighter than old, your Nissan Leaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like old Sierra estates and, and old Fords and stuff, you know, they're probably in the uh, 1100 kilo category. So, yeah, you can see how modern crash protection has massively increased the weight of cars. And then you've got battery packs on electric cars uh, it can get real heavy for any reasonable amount of range unless you do something like uh, Tesla does where they have loads of tiny little lithium ion batteries uh, in these very dense battery packs and they use just the latest battery technology cutting edge best energy density you can get and they use it on the floor pan the problem yeah, is yeah. it makes the cars really hard to work on so uh, and essentially Tesla has to to repair the car for you where the magic of the leaf is that it's very, it's Lego. It's very, very easy to work on. You can drop the battery pack out of the tunnel, which is where it sits. Okay. And you can take that battery pack apart. You can find a dead cell. You can replace the dead cells. Uh, they're about 500 quid. And I think the battery packs have got, it's like eight, 10 or 12 cells in them. I can't remember. Um, the electric motor 
has the inverter sat on top of it, and that's all bolted together. Cooling systems all the same. Yes, the charges bolted on top of that as well. Is that is that that um that video teardown, engine teardown mm. video that you sent me a little while ago? Because that is yeah. that's an impressive bit of kit. The uh, the packaging on that is um it's really nice. Yeah, and the single speed gearbox is built in. Like they're a very easy car to work on, and I I genuinely think in ten years time, um, people will still have Nissan Leafs. They'll be on their second battery pack. Uh, but they'll probably double the size of the battery pack in that period mm. of time because of kind of uh, economy and costs. And uh, they're very much like a car, a bit of a car for life, where I think the Teslas are, are a bit more throwaway. Yeah, well, th- that's the that's part of that's a, that's a big issue to get into, isn't it? But um, cars, cars and things that you buy that, that you actually can't work on and part of the contract that you sign when you buy it is that you say you, you're, you're not going to work on this car if you've got a problem you've you've got to go to tesla to to fix it and there is that chap on on um on the internet that does um he rebuilds teslas doesn't he and and has lots of amusing um adventures with tesla because they don't rich rebuilds is that yeah, is that what he's called rebuilds. yeah yeah yeah, uh, there's definitely going to be a market for specialists who can work on electric cars and, and do the rebuilds because I still don't think it's a guy on his driveway job to do a lot of this stuff. Uh, there's a lot of health and safety involved with that kind of high energy density element within the car. Well, it's health and safety, and, and the thing is, is that um, I think your your I mean, combustion engine, internal combustion engine cars have have obviously progressed beyond the point where where your standard guy with a spanner can fix it, but um, it's still at the end of the day nuts and bolts and and you know you can buy the tools from from Halfords and and it's not hard most of it's just um raw sort of legwork whereas a, yeah and the the leaf is very much along those lines hmm. it's a it's close to a petrol car converted to a electric car like they did build it from the ground up as an electric car but that that con- that concept of, of of you say the battery and the tunnel well that's probably where the fuel tank was originally wasn't it so the architecture is not that different uh, the fuel tank would have been in the boot because you would you would have had an exhaust, right? There's an exhaust on the oh, electric yeah, car yeah, of course. to deal with, um, and they try and keep the the weight as central as possible because because it's a very large weight, it can really affect your um, mass moment of inertia. Yeah, and uh, trying to keep the car so it can turn. But the cool thing about the Leaf is, yeah, you, you know, so you get a lot of good old boys in America who like to work on their trucks and and keep their cars going and. You know, if you could change a carburetor and change a fuel pump and stuff, you know, it's a good feeling. Oh, you have to, you, you have to do it. You know, on old cars. Yeah. The Leaf has, I think, it's about, it's like, it's either twenty-five or twenty-seven moving parts, right? So, you're not gonna have to work on it. Like, it's a, it, it, there's an element of pride that you have to kind of swallow, but ultimately, you're gonna change tires. Change discs and pads, but you're very rarely going to do that because of the regen braking. You, know, you don't use the brakes a whole lot. You're using the electronic brake that sits on the front axle. The yeah, the regen simple. the regen braking does that does that work when you push the brake pedal? Yeah, so the for the top section of the pedal is regen. Okay, and then it, it's a weird feeling. Um, you very much have to you have to feel the longitudinal acceleration and change your pressure you know based on that essentially but it's Mm. um it's not hard to drive uh the regen obviously doesn't work when you've got full battery yeah (laughs) that's the only thing (laughs) um but yeah you've got easily enough of a brake pressure system to deal with that but it makes a huge difference to your uh your economy in terms of distance Uh, if you run the car in eco mode it's got loads of regen and it also has a this mode called b mode which is uh more regen braking which yeah, it makes a huge difference. You can literally see there was one point when I had thirty miles left. Uh, I put it in B mode, and I was I was braking from high speed, and I could literally watch my mileage go up. So I, I was like putting that much energy back into the batteries. I was like, Cheers. "That's very interesting." Yeah. So there we go. I, I yeah, I don't think I'm going to build an electric car anytime soon. Uh, I'm interested to see where the technology goes, and I'm interested in learning about them. But um, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's an interesting future. Very interesting future. I mean, I'm, yeah, building an electric car at this point sounds like, uh, I mean, I I'm not an electronics expert. I I would never put my hands up and say I understand everything about electronics. Um, I probably understand more than I'm giving myself credit for because radars quite electronic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that sounds like a complicated endeavor. It's not. 
I don't think it's that bad, especially if you use something like a lease platform, where you talk to the the motor charger inverter, you know, block via CAN bus, and uh, you can do that for a laptop or for a microcontroller, and you have a battery pack. Now the battery pack is connected by two wires, right? So you can use whatever battery pack you want, you know, and it's just a big DC power cell, and you can use whatever motor you want. It's quite plug and play. It's just a, there's just a positive and a negative. Yeah, it's just a big battery. <laughs> cool. So it's cool. I think it's like 370 volts, though. Right? It's, it's quite a lot of potential. How many amps, uh, though, Josh? How many amps? I don't know how many amps it pulls. And that, you know, ultimately, that's your torque limitation on your motor, is uh, your kind of how many amps you can put through the entire oh, yeah. inverter system yeah. as a whole. Um, and also, it changes your, your power overhead. But. Um, Ah, now, what have you... Mm, this interesting question. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. What is the change in range? Sorry, we're not actually going to end up talking about your low-cost tool. We're just going to talk about your electric car. That's fine, that's fine. Like, the... I'm, in, I'm enamoured by the Leaf at the moment, so I have absolutely no issue with that. What's the, um, what's the change in range if you have to drive at night with the wipers going? Ah. I don't know. I think it's minor. Uh, the guy I bought it from... Uh, use the heater a lot, and and that really affects its range in the winter. The heat is quite interesting because you're not using any of the throwaway heat from the engine because yeah. there is no engine, so you have to run a heating element. So that can affect your your uh, fuel efficiency. Um, I doubt screen, yeah, I doubt headlights and windscreen wipers. Yeah, you know, they're probably in the milliamps. I don't think it's a big deal, uh, but the heater definitely uh, affects it. Um, one cool thing you can do, because obviously the aim is to charge it overnight, so we're going to go to a smart meter in our house yep. so that the uh, power company know that we're charging overnight and give us cheaper tariffs. What you can also do is if you know you're going to drive to work at, say, 8 in the morning, you can get the car to turn the heater on at half 7. <laughs> and I've got a, a heated seat cover for it as well that it came with. So you get so the heat, the seat warms up and the wind is defrost before you get in the car in the morning <laughs> while it's sat there on 100% charge. So, oh, whilst it's still plugged in? Yeah. Oh, that's quite good. That's very good. Yeah. Um, I think the new... Because uh, I know this kind of stuff for some reason. Um, so the, the new, the Volvo... Volvo, new Volvos, the, the top spec ones, will do that. So that's an actual thing yeah. that people do in Sweden, is that obviously you've you've got to drive somewhere in the morning, but yeah. you don't want to have to sit with your car, like, you know, get out of bed to turn your car on for an hour. So it actually is like push button. You're, you, you, you can just start your car. I think you have to put in a code or something, and it will yeah. it'll turn on your, your petrol-powered car, and it will just run, warm up, defrost all the windows for you and then you go goodbye darling or whatever they say in sweden yeah. <laughs> and you jump out the car and you just get in and drive off that is quite impressive it seems like a hideous use of energy to have a sat car sat there idling but you're probably going to do it anyway right you would so. you would do it anyway because um otherwise you can't see and yeah. you the car would just drive horribly because it's like minus 30 outside or something ridiculous yeah. so this is um obviously i've read lots of nissan leaf forums um and this is a issue with Nissan Leafs particularly. The battery life is very much dependent on how much temperature you put through them. So people in California that are driving Nissan Leafs, where the temperature is you know, on average always higher than it is in the UK, mm. generally they have quite a temperate climate. The battery packs aren't lasting as long as they are in Europe. Interesting. There is quite an interesting characteristic of the battery pack where 0 to 20 percent charge takes a while uh, to charge so you because you get a voltage drop off mm. in the battery pack right at the very bottom so energy versus voltage is relatively flat all the way down to the bottom 20 percent, and then the voltage starts to drop off so you can't put massive voltage through the battery pack so they charge slowly mm. and then the final 20 percent uh, the battery pack charges really slow because some of the cells are up to charge and some of them aren't because they all charge at different rates. Yeah. So you get a drop off in your charge rate. So you're best off running the battery pack between 20% and 80% of its charge at all times. And that's the quickest charge. Now, 
a quick charge is a good charge because it's the shortest period of time charging, and therefore the shortest period of time running the battery pack at a high temperature. Yeah. Okay, and that makes your battery pack last a long time. So there's always stuff you have to know about these electric cars. Uh, so if you run your car between 20% and 80%, and you always charge between that, and you charge it at night, preferably after midnight, so when it's at the temperature outside is at its coldest, your car is going to last longer and you're going to get less battery degradation than any other time. Can you, can you tell the car when to start charging? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can do it all automated. And so, yeah, that, that's cool. But this is the stuff you need to know. I think if you're someone who's just buying an electric car off the forecourt, you have no interest in any of how, the, how this works and the best way to look after it and stuff, um, you must rinse these electric cars like really badly. Uh, but yeah, you have I to saw... look after the battery packs. And, but the latest electric cars have active cooling. So they have big fans on the battery pack. So when you plug them in a quick charger, uh, that's the other thing. You want the quick chargers that you get at power uh, um, stops on the motorway. Mm. You want to try and use them the least amount you can because they heat up the battery pack and therefore damage the battery pack. But if you've got a big new electric Volvo, electric Honda, electric, uh, you've got a Tesla or something, um, they have an active cooling system for the battery pack. So when you charge them up, they're big fans that blow and get rid of all the excess heat, and therefore the battery pack lasts longer. Yeah, but I'm guessing they, they've got so they've got big heat sinks on them that yeah. that are then actively cooled. You could almost um, mm. what what you'd really want really is a is is like a heat sink and a, a pump and and um, and s- some water cooling, really, wouldn't you? That's what <laughs> yeah, I've got on my computer. Well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the Leaf was it was built as an affordable electric car. And that's what Nissan aimed for, and it's what they achieved. And within Europe, in the context of Europe, they work really well, uh, especially if you charge them correctly at the right times. So. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, for 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 a city, or I mean, how far away is the school that is going to be driven to? Uh, Becky drives uh, about twenty twenty five miles there, twenty twenty five miles back. Perfect, absolutely perfect. Mm. Yeah, so it's you know you can top it up every night up to eighty percent. She can drive that it's only going to half the battery pack capacity mm. uh, to take about 40% because it's about it's about 1% per mile uh, on our car and then you know we'll just top it back up again at night and no worries cool 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 yeah. should we do a little bit of low cost yeah I'm um, I'm interested to hear <laughs> about how you're uh, how it's all going so it's been five weeks I promised you last time that I was going to give the bodywork to the painters I did. They turned it around in two weeks, and I got it back before Christmas Day, which is awesome. Beautiful. And they've done an, an amazing job, and it looks way better than I could have ever done it. And having the arches match the main bodywork, ah, oh, I'm I'm so excited. Like it's going to look really, really, really good. So that was cool. And other than that, I've been doing um, vinyling and and internal like interior work which is something i've never really had any experience with but i uh, i'm really enjoying it like it's it's quite cool sort of uh, taking a panel putting foam on it gluing that on and then gluing a vinyl to it and then wrapping it around it's way harder than it looks <laughs> so you have to take a bit of time and get a bit of experience doing it to get it to look nice mm. uh, which i feel like i have now um so yeah i did the dashboard i did the tunnel top uh, and I've been doing the rear panel now, which is the kind of boot top, uh, which looks really good. But it's in three pieces. It has a bunch of quarter-turn Zeus fasteners that holds it all together into the car. And it's quite a lot of work. So I should hopefully get that done by the end of the weekend before I head back to work. Is the boot top not an out... Is that, on, is that like outside exposed to the elements? Or are you doing... Yeah, but it's the interiors exposed to the elements as well. It's oh yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I talked to Becky about it, and we're going to create a what they call a tonneau cover. So when you park the car up, you can cover the interior with this cover, and that's going to be made out of the same vinyl stuff, probably with like a weatherproof backing. Is that like um uh, what what um you would see in those uh, sort of two seater racers in in like the the thirties where it's it's like a vinyl cover and then it's got a cutout for just one person to sit in. Is that is that? Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So one of those, but just to cover the interior 
uh, from the elements. And we're going to make one of those, so all together. I can't sew, so it's something new to learn. And um, I'd quite like to make that with a, a zippable bit for the driver, so that when you're you want to increase your aerodynamics, yeah. you go a little bit quicker. You can you can sit in and. Uh, it looks a bit more classic that way as well. Yeah, that's I I very much enjoy that look. I I think uh, I think that's 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 really cool because it's 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 a very much sort of classic racer inspired sort of sports car gentleman in his sports car or, or maybe lady in British sports car. Yeah, owner, la- yeah, lady in her sports car owner. You know, put on some gloves and a hat and and then just go razz it. <laughs> it's um it's funny you say sports car because it's it's a term that I've always kind of avoided. Um, because of that connotation, and uh, I've always used race car for the low cost, even though it isn't. Yeah, it has been race, but it's not a race car per mm. se. Um, and I quite like sports car as a term now. You know, I, I did that drag race sim, and it showed that the low cost, you know, below sixty miles an hour, is very quick. Yeah, you know, it's quite sporty. It's going to be very fun on the roads, quicker than most things. Um, but you know, quarter mile wise, it's pretty average, and. Like that's not something to be ashamed of. I actually really like. I, I'm le- I care less about going fast these days and care more about enjoyment. Yeah. And I think that's what a sports car is about. It's about getting in something that you enjoy driving and just having that experience. And I think it's it's something the kind of top trumps element of car ownership uh, in the modern day is is missing somewhat. Is the the fact that actually driving cars is fun. And you should enjoy it, and you don't necessarily have to do it with eight hundred horsepower. No, I mean it's what's that old thing that it's like, you know, two. This is one hundred and fifty horsepower in nineteen ninety seven, and it's like a Supra with like graphics and stuff. It's like one hundred and fifty <laughs> horsepower in twenty twenty, and it's just like a Peugeot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and the thing is, is that you, you don't. There's a lot more fun in it, and it's not necessarily because it's got lots of power, but it's just sort of. Yeah, you put your foot down, and there's a bit of something there. Um, yeah, and it's like you know, a little bit. You know, raises the heart, raises the heart rate. That's all we're looking for. That's why I, I, I like the leaf. Uh, it, yeah, you don't have to change gears. So the the mild amount of acceleration that it has, a bit over 0.4 g, is way more impressive when it's just constant. Mm. Yeah, you just <laughs> nail the pedal, and that's so funny that it's in such a mild-looking granny car. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Tiny, tiny. I never thought I'd say I'd love an electric hatchback. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's something new, isn't it? It's different. Yeah, but I don't think I'll ever, you know, like electric convert the low cost or anything because I think that car will become increasingly rare as time goes on. Hmm. When when I'm in my sixties, when I'm a granddad, uh, petrol powered cars are going to be very, very rare, especially. To be honest, cars that you drive yourself are probably going to be very rare. And I think having something that is it's going to be relatively slow compared to everything that's on the road and you're going to drive yourself is going to be so classic that it's something I just want to keep in that kind of... What do they say on Marty Carmel? Pur- purity. Purity. You want to keep the purity. <laughs> keep the purity. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that just being a little sports car that's very pure. Yeah. It's like a. It's the thing is, is that it's it's almost the definition of a driver's car, isn't it? Because you you as a driver have built a car, um, and it's designed to be a bit of fun. It's not designed to do anything else, really, is it? Well, thanks very much, Alex. You're very good, welcome. Uh, good third sesh. Second sesh. I mean, obviously. Second sesh for you. Third sesh. Obviously, you've excluded me, which is I'm never going to forgive you for that. <laughs> um. Good times, good times, good to know. Is there anything you want the listeners to know off the top before um, we slide on out? So uh, you can follow me on Instagram um, at Hoglet, with a, that's H-0-G-L-E-T. Um, I will potentially be doing um, a science talk either this Tuesday or this um, Wednesday for those of you who are interested. I'm not 100% on the subject matter at the moment, but I think it's probably going to be... Um, length scales in everything um so for, from the smallest thing to the biggest thing and it's aimed at the general public um i i did a, a talk for our sort of year one slash two niece 
Um, and a lot of people said, oh, I'd quite like to join that, actually, except it was two o'clock in the afternoon whilst they're at school. So um, I'm probably going to take that talk and um, make it a bit more suitable for grown-ups and then, and then do that in an evening. Um, might be this week, might be next week. Um, but uh, yeah, keep an eye out and I'll be advertising it on my social media. So um, yeah, if you're interested. So that's going to be streamed on Instagram? No, so it'll probably be streamed. I'll probably do it as a Zoom um, talk. And it will probably be about 40 to 50 minutes with 10 minutes of, of Q&A at the end. And then if, if lots of people are interested, I'll think of other subjects that I know about and, and do some talks. Just you know, something to, to watch in the evening when you can't go out and and um, and if you're, you're interested in, in that kind of stuff. So, so, yeah. Cool. Well, I will rush along and get this mixed and up and into the World Wide Web as soon as possible so we can advertise that. That is either on Tuesday the 12th of January or uh, Wednesday the 13th. Yep. Or if you're listening later on, um, get in touch if you'd like to hear a talk about something else and you're still in lockdown because um, I'm always open to ideas. I, I, like, I love sort of talking about science and stuff, as you can guess. Lovely. I am going to make sure we get a Twitter account for the next time we do yes. one of these. So I will advertise that and I'll put it in the post. Um, but it will be something like Manducar at Twitter. Search for us and you'll find it. If you're listening later on, have a look because we have no idea what it will be. <laughs> cool. Thanks very much. Brilliant. And I'll hear from you next time. Yes, speak to you soon. Stop.